Turning now to COVID in Chicago. The city's COVID-19 community risk level is officially high. So what does that mean for you? Wear a mask indoors in public. Yes, that means you. Regardless of your vaccination status, as we move into high, put that mask on. This is different than the city of Chicago putting an indoor mask requirement or mandate in place. We will do that if our hospitals are getting threatened. That's Chicago Department of Public Health Commissioner Dr. Allison Arwady speaking last Thursday. Dr. Emily Landon is Executive Medical Director of Infection Prevention and Control at University of Chicago Medicine, and she joins us now to bring us up to date. Hi, Dr. Landon. Welcome back. Hi, Sasha. How are you? Doing well. Long time no chat. And of course, it's always under these circumstances. Uh, Many of us, Dr. Myself included, we recently returned to the Chicago area from trips over the holiday weekend. I wonder how concerned you are right now about the spread of COVID here. The spread of COVID in Chicago has been out of control for a few weeks now, and it's really out of control across the country. The numbers that you're seeing on the board are terrible underestimates of what's actually happening because so many people are using at-home tests, which is great. We want them to use at-home tests. But I would estimate that the number of cases that you see is probably half as many as are actually out there, probably less than half as many as what's actually happening. That's how big of an undercount we're dealing with. It's a big undercount. I mean, now now that PCR tests aren't as as paid for and there aren't as available, many people are turning to home tests, which is great. And they use less staff, they're less expensive, and they're they're reliable in certain circumstances, especially when they're positive. And so we should definitely be looking at those. But it is really undercounting. So what, total it, what does that what does that undercount mean for how we implement COVID mitigation efforts or how we track the spread? Well, Things I think like that. that well, I mean, we just have to adjust what we expect from the metrics um, to match what's actually happening. If we know that less than half the cases are being picked up by PCR and being reported, then we just have to know that the numbers we're seeing are about half of what's really happening or less than half of what's really happening. And as we go through another couple of waves or a few months, we're going to get a better idea about what it means to be at, you know, a thousand daily cases in Chicago with the use of home tests, just like it took a while for us to understand what a thousand daily cases was yeah. without home tests, right? So break down what you know thus far. What What is high risk level? What does that actually yeah. mean? So the CDC's risk guidance or risk levels are have been adopted by the city and by the state, and they are largely aimed at only introducing community measures. So things like mandates and requirements are only being put into place when healthcare as a system is threatened. They do not necessarily put in any mandates or requirements for your individual personal safety. They rely on you to make your own choices about your safety because that's what people said they wanted to be able to do. They wanted to be able to choose whether or not they took the risk of going to a restaurant to eat indoors or whether or not they took the risk to um, hang out with friends or go to a bar. And that means that If you want to do something that you don't necessarily perceive as risky, like, say, uh, go to school if you're a child, Mm -hmm. um, you need to decide for yourself or for your kids whether or not it's okay for them to take that risk on. And right now we're seeing as many cases as we were seeing each day as we were seeing in probably January or February. And so 
a lot of people are getting COVID. Yeah, those emails are certainly, as a parent, um, they're certainly coming at a, a more rapid rate each day telling me about you know, COVID spread in the school buildings for my, my daughters. So yeah. I can definitely see the difference from that standpoint. Um, what are cases and hospitalizations and death rates like right now across the city? So the good news is that hospitalizations are up, but they're not that high. They're not nearly what we saw before. And deaths are also not as bad. That's because we have medications that can rescue some of our highest risk individuals, people that are immunocompromised, people like me, um, people who are have multiple other medical problems and older individuals are better protected if they get vaccinated routinely, regularly getting all of their boosters, and they're able to be rescued if they do get a breakthrough case using things like Paxlovid or the monoclonal antibodies. And you can even go further and help immunocompromised people be protected by giving them Evusheld beforehand, so pre-exposure prophylaxis. So that, that's really why that and this, this Omicron is not as dangerous in the acute phase. What are you and your colleagues seeing at the University of Chicago hospitals right now? Yeah, hospitalizations for COVID have gone up considerably. We were running about six inpatients with COVID on average. Now we're up to about 30 on average. Wow. And so it's definitely a lot more, but that's nothing like the 150 that we were seeing at the, you know, the peak of the Omicron wave. So we're definitely doing better, but that does not mean that individuals are not going to experience long-term problems mm -hmm. as a result of having COVID. And that's what I think is being sort of, glossed over a mist in a lot of people's calculations of whether or not it's okay for them to get COVID. So when we were at medium risk level, uh, Dr. Arwady said that she strongly recommended everyone wear masks. Uh, when, That's right. When Cook County moved from medium to high, Arwady said even more. Strongly recommended, uh, she recommended universal masking. What would it take for the city to actually reinstate the mask mandates or other requirements at this point? Is it just all about hospitalization rates? It really is. So the in, what goes into determining the rate, the sort of the level includes cases in the community, but that's a pretty insensitive measure based on what we just talked about, people right. doing a lot of at-home tests. It also looks at hospitalizations and deaths, and that's to help us in case we get a more dangerous variant or something that might sort of the, create a backlog or a problem for people to be able to get the medical care they'd need either for COVID or for non-COVID conditions, because when healthcare is overwhelmed, that's a problem. What the CDC guidance does not take into account is how it affects other businesses, how it affects the ability for a, a small independent business to stay open if their entire staff gets COVID at the same time, mm -hmm. um, how it affects how many plane flights need to be canceled because pilots have COVID. Right. And I think, and it also doesn't include how many healthcare workers are getting COVID, which we've found like more staffing issues in our own staff um, that are keeping us from, I mean, we're having to dig a little deeper and that can be a little challenging. A Northwestern University study came out last week and it found most COVID long haulers have neurologic symptoms 15 months after initial infection. If you are vaccinated yeah. at this point, Dr. Landon, how worried should you be about long COVID, even if your initial infection was mild? We don't know. And that is the bare truth. That is scary. So some of the early data suggested that vaccination protects you from getting long COVID. But the reality is that there's been additional data collected. And while none of the data is perfect, it's sort of leading us, it's telling a story of 
the vaccines are not doing as good a job at protecting people from long COVID or even isolated cognitive impairment or cardiac problems and blood clots. Uh, those are sort of the, the main four things that we are seeing, even in people who have mild infection, who are fully vaccinated and perfectly healthy at baseline. And it looks like the vaccine is not protecting against them fully. This is what I think every parent needs to consider when they're sending their kid to school without a mask. Because the last thing my child needs to deal with in middle school mm -hmm. is cognitive impairment. And I would say that it's the last thing I need to deal with as well. You know, I think that we have swung the pendulum from being incredibly protective and really concerned about COVID to the other extreme, which is, oh, so what? It's just a cold. This is not just a cold. The data is telling us a story that even mild infection can have long-term consequences for people. Mm -hmm. Many people will have an infection and be just fine, but some will not. And if you're getting COVID two, three, four, 10, 20, 30 times in your lifetime, that's a roll of the dice each time. It's gonna be really hard yeah. to deal with these long-term consequences in the long run. I think we may have to change our strategy and think more about protecting not just the provision of healthcare, but also sort of our ability to function long term. Yeah. And there's also been this talk of COVID-19 becoming endemic, right? Meaning that it yeah. still just exists, but it's just sort of in the background, not disrupting yeah, and, our lives. Endemic doesn't mean good. So, uh, for example, um, malaria is endemic in a number of countries in Africa, and many, many millions of children die of, of malaria because malaria is endemic. It's just sort of calculated into what people expect in their lives. Yeah. That's really what I would think endemic means. And so we're going to need to calculate in long-term cognitive impairment, long-term fatigue and disability, long-term cardiac um, sort of dysfunction. And at some point, we're going to have to come to some sort of understanding about how we're going to live in balance with COVID. Mm -hmm. And in many parts of Africa, that means that they use bed nets um, around their kids' beds so that they don't get as many mosquito bites at night. They do other things to avoid getting mosquito bites in order to make sure that their kids don't suffer from malaria. And we're going to have to accept that in order to live with COVID and have it be endemic, we may need to do things to protect ourselves from COVID. Mm -hmm. And that may include wearing a mask more often. Some rapid fire practical questions for you now, doctor. Uh, let's start with general yeah. reminders. What should you do at this point if you are exposed to someone with COVID? If you have been vaccinated and you're up to date on all your vaccinations, you can continue to go about your life, but you need to wear a mask for at least 10 days after at least eight days after you've been exposed and you need to get tested. And I strongly recommend you use a PCR test because it can be difficult for um, a one, one rapid test at mm -hmm. one point in time is not going to be enough. And then anytime you have symptoms after that for the first 10 days, you need to get tested. And if you test positive for COVID, how long should we be isolating for? You have to stay in your house away from other people for at least five full days. If you are then feeling better, the CDC says that it's okay for you to emerge from your home, say to go pick up groceries or to stop by the pharmacy or something like that. But you have to keep your mask on all the time for days six through 10. That means that if you're returning to work because you're feeling well enough, you can't be eating lunch at work. You can't be sipping on a drink at work. You can't be taking that mask down for any reason at any time. And if you're not going to be able to do that at work, then you shouldn't be returning to work. 
What are the guidelines for booster shots right now? So anybody who has not had a vaccine in the last five months may or may not be due for a booster. So if you've only had your first two doses and it's been more than five months, you're due for a booster. People over the age of 65, those who have, or those who are younger but have multiple medical problems, your vaccines are starting to wear off and their protection against hospitalization and death is also wearing off. So you need to get those boosters. If you are in that group of older individuals and it's been more than five months, it doesn't really matter how many doses you've had, you're due for another one. What I think is going to happen, the FDA isn't able to approve on this cycle, but it looks like we're going to need every six-month boosters for people at very high risk and every 12-month boosters for individuals who are at lower risk. But everyone is probably going to be prompted to get a new booster in next fall when there's newer vaccines available with multiple different spike proteins in them, more tailored to Omicron and Delta. And so for yeah. now, if you haven't been vaccinated in five months or more, it's you may be due for a booster. You should check in on the, on the um, you can look on the CDC website or talk to your doctor. And briefly, before I let you go, doctor, what do we know about when vaccines for kids under five might be approved by the FDA? Soon. Looks like they're going to meet about it on June 15th. And then hopefully after that, they'll be able to be approved shortly thereafter by ACIP, which is the CDC committee. And then we can start giving kids vaccines, hopefully by the very beginning of July, which should get many of them to uh, complete their three-dose series round about the time that school starts so that they're prepared for the fall. That's Dr. Emily Landon, an infectious disease specialist at University of Chicago Medicine. Thank you, Dr. Landon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.